Andrew here and welcome to another episode of the TELP podcast. And so in this episode, uh, I was thinking I'd do a few things, maybe a couple of new things, and then again get into uh, the next chapter of George Garros' book and do a bit of a reflection there. Um, so before we get to that piece, I wanted to talk a bit about uh, professional learning. And again, my journey around professional learning and how it's changed so much over the years. And uh, again, uh, you know, if you're in a role like mine where you facilitate professional learning or if you're at a school and you're doing, you know, uh, you know, if you're working with other teachers, it's so important. And this is something that I've learned over time, uh, just how important to meet people where they're at. And, uh, you know, again, I, I think of my early experience in this role and how, you know, my the sessions that I did with groups of teachers and how different it looks today from just when I started and the journey that I've, you know, that kind of like a transformation where, you know, early in my evolution in this role, I, I really always felt that I had to carry the day. You know, and I remember preparing for my first sessions with teachers and being super nervous. Uh, kind of like how we feel with, you know, students in our classroom, you know, in the beginning of the year when we're, you know, preparing those first days and stuff like that and making sure that we have enough planned and, you know, being super way over planned. And as a consultant in this role, I kind of went through the same thing. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, me just feeling often that I had to carry the day, you know, I had to just be constantly just, you know, sharing information and showing new tools and things like that. And, you know, over the years, getting feedback from teachers and realizing that less is more, you know, when it comes to learning and growing, um, that actually, if you just focus on, you know, less, but you do it better. And from that, came the model um, or the model has been developed that we're using and that I'm using in my board and it works really well and it's the learn build share model and so you know instead of doing all kinds of things during the day or even if it's a half day or even if it's an hour and a half session um, the focus is really just going through that progression of learning and then having the teacher's experience building and then, you know, sharing. So just to break it down quick. So the first phase is just learning. So, you know, again, getting feedback from the teachers before and tailoring the professional learning experience so that the teachers are meeting them where they're at. And once I know what they're looking to achieve with, you know, their next steps around technology enabled learning and teaching, what I do is I just, I prepare like just some simple learning activities and so again i'll showcase a piece of technology and how it connects to pedagogy and and how it could be used in the classroom to to better student learning and then what i do is once i've shown it i pause and i give the teachers the opportunity to actually build and the build piece is so important because during the build 
uh, teachers are going to have the opportunity to kind of put into practice what they've learned, but they're also going to encounter barriers. And I have to say, it's something that I didn't always appreciate early in the progression of this job that I'm in now. But I think that, you know, when teachers are able to, you know, build and encounter barriers, but to have someone there to help them through the barriers, to provide suggestions, to provide ways, you know, I like to say enhance the toolkit, you know, um, to add tools to their toolkit so that when they're in the classroom, when they encounter barriers during the build with the students, that they're able to overcome them and have some tools in their toolkit to overcome them. And it's been really, really rewarding, I have to say. So, so the teachers, they build. We talk about it. I give, you know, they'll, the hands will go up sometimes or they'll say, hey, Andrew, come on over here. You know, this is not working the way you showed it. And they'll say, oh, okay, cool. Uh, check your web browser. Maybe try it with Chrome. You, you, it looks like you're using Internet Explorer. And once they have the build down, we do a share. And the share piece is really cool because it's where teachers get to think about you know, their experience in the classroom, the students that they're teaching, and how this new tool can enhance the learning in their classroom. And I have to say that, you know, for myself in this role, like it's been amazing because, again, I'm Andrew and I have ideas around how this can work. And I have my experience and my journey around, you know, using the technology in the classroom. But the teachers that you're working with, they have their journey. And when they share their experiences, I have to say that in every session that I've done over the years, I always walk away where I've learned. I've learned something new. And what's really cool is that the teachers actually learn from each other. And then what happens is you walk away. And then sometimes what I found myself is, you know, I'll be in the next session and it's something that I had never thought about, but a teacher shared something. And then I was able to bring that to the next group and make the experience of professional learning even more rich for that group. So I have to say, you know, again, um, you know, for anyone and everyone who's out there in the world of building capacity with professionals, that I can't stress, you know, how amazing it's been for us in our board where we do less, but we do it better. And we go through that learn, build, share model. And uh, it seems to be working really well. And the feedback we're getting from teachers is really, really positive. So I just wanted to share that in kind of part one. In part two of this episode, I want to talk a bit about you know, something that's actually not related to my work. Because I find that, you know, we are all, you know, you're on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, it's because you're keen, you're looking for new ideas. And, you know, sometimes we don't stop to take care of ourselves. And I'm guilty of that. You know, if you if you know me from, you know, just you know, growing up and stuff like that. I, I was very athletic and really into sports. And it's funny because, you know, anytime that I'm either stressed out or not feeling well and stuff like that, and I, I talk to my mom, um, my mom will always ask me the, the, the following question, and it's hilarious. She'll say, Andrew, are you exercising? And, uh, you know, sometimes when things are not, you know, uh, hunky-dory, I guess, I'm not exercising. And this week, I 
I've just found myself, you know, something happened on Sunday and I just said, Andrew, you got to get rolling again. You got to get back, get the body moving, get the exercise rolling. And I cannot say uh, more about like every time you exercise, you just feel like a million bucks. And, you know, I have to say that this week, even though, you know, we're working lots of hours and, you know, I got, I'm busy on the home front with the little kitties and their activities and all that goes on on the home front. But that little 20 minute, 25 minute of either spinning on my bike in the basement or, you know, doing a little circuit um, has made such a world of difference. And, you know, again, we can talk about technology enabled learning and teaching. We can talk about, you know, ourselves as teachers. But it's so important for us to take care of ourselves. And I thought in this episode of the podcast, I just wanted to kind of put that out there and share that with everyone that, you know, get out there, get moving, and you're going to see that you're going to feel so much better. And what happens is it translates to, you know, being more productive and happier in our work too, and in every aspects of our life. So again, I just wanted to share that. And, you know, again, just hearing feedback from you, I don't know if you... Um, you know, take that time during the week to exercise and how that impacts you. Uh, again, I'd love to hear uh, some feedback on Twitter on that. Uh, if you if you choose to do so, that, that'd be great. So now we move to the third portion of the podcast uh, this week, where we're going to look at George Kuros's ideas around the next chapter of study. Engage versus empower. And, uh, you know, interesting, when I saw the title of this chapter uh, before I started to read it, uh, some of the ideas that came to mind were just, you know, reflecting and looking back on on my career in the classroom, uh, you know, using technology and how, you know, uh, early in the evolution, uh, technology was really used uh, to engage the students, you know, thinking back 10 years or so. Not every student in the classroom had access to uh, the internet and or either had devices at home um, that they could use. So, you know, often when you booked the computer lab or if you had devices in the classroom and you were using technology, the students got super excited because for some of them, it was the only time that they really got to uh, use uh, either a computer or something like that that was connected to the internet. So, uh, you know, it's interesting, like it, you didn't really have to think too hard about the lesson. You didn't really have to think too hard about, you know, what are the <laughs> what is the desired outcome here of them using the technology? It was more about just setting up an activity and they'd connect to it. And, um, you know, people could walk by and go, wow, look at that. Like those students are super engaged and, and they're learning. And, uh, you know, it's funny now looking back, um, You know, I often ask myself, you know, how much did they truly learn when they went to a specific site and either it was a game-based activity or something to that effect? Um, So again, when we think of of that piece, the engagement piece, um, it makes sense. It made sense for the time. But for us now as teachers, you know, teaching a generation of students now that really for the most part, again, depending on, um, you know, uh, the region uh, that you're teaching in and things like that, there are factors at play for sure. Um, but for a lot of our students now, they are connected or they've had experience using, uh, you know, devices and things like that. And they're, they're born with them. And so, you know, 
now it's almost as if you if you're in a classroom and you're integrating technology the students are really excited about okay so so what do we do with this now what are we creating today and you know students moving from consumers to producers with the tech and so it you know this the chapter six i think is is fitting because really now it's not necessarily about engaging the students with technology but it's really about you know um giving them a tool and uh, access to you know information and really empowering them and guiding them and showing them all of the information that's really at their fingertips and how they can now connect to a broader audience and a broader world uh, to really you know reach their full potential in areas of areas that they're really interested in um, you know again I like to talk a bit about my my home uh, situation with my kids and you know it's 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 crazy when you you know when you're a teacher and you don't have children um you know i remember before i had my two children that you know sometimes the you know teachers would say oh you'll see andrew you know when you have kids your perspectives will change and things will change and you know or, or you might see things differently a bit and i remember at that time you know being a young teacher and going well i don't think so <laughs> kind of thing uh, um but they were totally right because um, you know, as a parent now, I get to see the other side and, um, you know, looking at, at how my children uh, will use and access, you know, just something like YouTube uh, to learn about something that they're really into. You know, it's funny, a couple of years ago, my son got really into uh, skateboarding. And, uh, you know, as a parent, I'm thinking, okay, well, you know what, I can't skateboard to save my life. <laughs> I'm not really going to be able to help him with this. And uh, so, you know, we kind of sat down. I thought, you know what, maybe if I could find some cool tutorials or videos on YouTube, I could show him and he could kind of watch those. And, 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 and he was off to the races. Uh, I, he was out in the garage. He had the, the iPad and he'd be watching these videos and he'd spend hours just trying to emulate what he was learning. And uh, the cool thing now is that moment in time, that experience with him wanting to learn to skateboard really now has you know, translated to other areas of his life where anytime he has an interest in something, he knows that he has access to the best people in the world in that field of study or in that area that he's interested in. So, you know, I, I, I find now as a parent, you know, going back into the classroom, for, you know, when I go back to the classroom, that really the goal is to, to try to empower the students and give them the tools in their toolkit so that they can really reach their full potential. So that's pretty cool. You know, you think of nowadays, eh? like, you know, in my days when I was younger, you know, when you had to learn something or you wanted to learn something, you, you really were at the mercy of, you know, the coach or the instructor or, or, you know, in some cases, your family being able to afford for you to be a part of that activity where you could go and learn. But now what's cool is that, you know, students and our children, um, you know, they're really are very few limits uh, to what they can learn and do. So I'm going to read off a couple of passages, a few passages today, and, um, you know, just kind of give a bit of a reflection. So the first passage here is engagement is a good thing, but I've since learned that we must also empower students and equip them with the skills to learn. It is imperative that we teach learners how to self, how to be self-directed and guide their own learning rather than rely on others to simply engage them. 
And, uh, you know, again, I won't speak too much on that one because I think, uh, you know, what I explained just a bit earlier there, I think it covers it. Um, but I think that that's going to play a big part with um, BYOD. And for us as teachers, figuring out what that looks like with, uh, you know, students having access to the technology in the classroom and developing, you know, strategies and models so that we feel good with, you know, students having their devices and being connected to them and, you know, not necessarily using them all the time. Um, You know, technology has a place in the classroom for sure. But, um, you know, I think that that's really next, the next big push in education is people like myself in my role really helping teachers see the benefits of, you know, what BYOD can do and how, um, you know, if I have, if the students have these devices and they're able to bring them to class, then I'm not as dependent on things like, um, you know, a computer lab or maybe a computer cart. So again, um, you know, that's something for us to think about. And I encourage teachers uh, to, you know, put some time into researching what BYOD looks like and, and how we can, you know, embrace the technology that the students have to really create that environment where students can uh, reach out to the broader aud- audience and use those 21st century tools. Next passage, if you had to choose between compliant, engaged, or empowered, which word would you want to define uh, your students? <laughs> and the funny part with that one, I find, is that's kind of like the story of my of, of the last 20 years of my career. You know, you think of uh, how we define sometimes, you know, what a good teacher is. Or, And again, I'm just speaking for myself. Um, you know, 20 years ago when I started in the classroom, you know, if, if a principal or vice principal walked by or another teacher walked by and they saw a quiet classroom, you know, students in rows and they're all working and they all seem like they're on task, you know, students were being compliant and you were kind of deemed a good, that was, wow, Andrew, you know, he's a good teacher. Um, and then over time, we reflected on that and we've come to, I think the pretty, uh, I think it's a con- overall consensus in education that students that are quiet in the classroom doesn't necessarily translate to students that are learning. And in some cases, you know, um, it's the opposite. So I think that, you know, if we look at those early years of compliancy, that was kind of like the, you know, the model. You really wanted students to be just, you know, following those classroom rules. And then it went from that to, okay, so cool. It's a little quiet in here. We have to get a little excitement in here in this classroom and we're going to spice it up a bit. And so I'm going to bring technology into, into, into play and the students will be super engaged and they'll really want to be focused and, and, you know, really produce at the highest level. And that engagement period, you know, uh, was, was a really cool period where again, just, you know, bringing the technology in and they were super excited, whether it was just teaching with a smart board or them having access to the computers once or twice a week. Um, you know, it's that engagement period. And then now this final phase, which is just the empowerment phase. And I find that that's really cool because, you know, now I feel sometimes I get, I get really excited about getting back into the classroom, you know, setting up that, you know, that coffee house model, and focusing on, you know, just some really cool overall expectations from the curriculum. And then, you know, building the students up, you know, in working in September and October, building, you know, the norms of collaboration and what this is going to look like and how we're going to achieve this. But to be able to be at a point where students can kind of choose their path 
and in some cases choose the way in which they want to communicate their understanding versus it just being you know that traditional lesson now you know having said that i again i just want to be kind of like transparent too and and i think that you know there's balance and you know i could see myself doing that you know a uh, portion of the week and i do feel that traditional strategies and teaching are still very important um so for sure i think it would be a mix of that um, the next piece here that I want to talk about is hosting an innovation day or establishing a genius hour is a good start, but we can't stop there. Innovation cannot be related to a one-off event. And you know what? The timing's perfect. This week is computer science week. We have a lot of excitement on Twitter around uh, the hour of code. And there's so many great things happening across all of the school districts around coding and getting students excited about it. And, um, you know, it's interesting to see that that emerge, you know, um, coding in STEM and, and how it's becoming more mainstream. Um, I still feel, though, that we have a long ways to go and um, you know and I'll explain myself I think that right now and this is I'm including myself in this I think right now what's happening with the coding and stem or what we need to try to do especially people in my role is we have to um, really showcase how I find it's not necessarily about the coding and it's not about, um, you know, the, the fact that, you know, the students are coding, but I really feel it's the computational thinking. I really think it's the connection to the curriculum and in the connection to the task and how, you know, the students coding is one way that A, they can develop that skill set, but B, um, they're able to show their understanding of what we're trying to achieve in the classroom. And I find sometimes, again, you know, just myself being on Twitter that, you know, it's kind of like the, you know, I hope we're not going to repeat the smart board where it's the, it's the novelty of the smart board, but it's not necessarily the lesson and the richness of the task, but it's the technology. And I find right now with coding and STEM that that's really, we have to work hard now over the next couple of years to make it uh, so that teachers can see themselves and they truly understand that you know it's not necessarily about the coding and stem piece it's more about you know that computational thinking piece and how it's uh you know throughout all of our curriculums and how coding and stem can be a fun way for students um you know to develop those important skill sets that they're going to need uh, for the future not all of our students are going to be computer programmers but all of our students can can learn and develop the ability to be great at that computational thinking piece. So that's kind of my challenge. I'm putting it out to myself and I put it out to people I talk to that, you know, we let's do a better job at, at showing the task and, um, you know, what the desired learning is and how coding and STEM is supporting it. I think that that's important and not the other way around, if that makes sense. And finally... Friedman closes with a note to which schools should pay close attention. In an age when innovation is increasingly a group endeavor, it, Google, also cares about a lot of soft skills. Things like leadership, humility, collaboration, adaptability, and loving to learn and relearn. This will be true no matter where you go to work. And again, I think that that passage speaks perfectly to my goals as I continue in education, it speaks to the theme of empowering students and it not necessarily being about a checklist of 
you know, things from the curriculum, but, you know, starting with the curriculum, starting with a really cool overall expectation, um, you know, in some cases, maybe if you're teaching at the elementary level and you're able to take a couple of curriculums and, and create a really rich task, and then, you know, really working at those 21st century competencies and, um, you know, ensuring that students in our classrooms have the opportunity to work on those because they're going to be so important for them in the workplace uh, of tomorrow. So, you know what? I'm at the 24-minute mark. I guess I'm getting more winded as these episodes are going because they seem to be getting longer. Uh, So, again, uh, keep the faith. I hope everyone has a great rest of their week. And again, a couple of people have reached out on uh, Twitter and it was really cool to get some feedback. So again, whether you agree, disagree, or have an idea, um, please feel free to reach out on Twitter. I'd always love to hear your feedback. Have uh, Have a wonderful week, everyone. Take care.